You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I'm Chris, that's Dave. We grew up across the street from each other. We are lifelong White Sox fans. And for the last couple of weeks, buddy, I have felt bad. Why is that? Because we did the live show and you had a rough time getting there. And I did have a rough time getting there. You only appeared for the last 30 seconds of the show. At which time the DJ was playing, you know, disco right. as loud as he possibly could. And we couldn't could. use even any of the audio that we used afterwards and I, I felt bad for you. And then last I, week... I hate disco so much, by the way. I hate disco. <laughs> disco is... God, that is the worst possible thing. Like, you know what? <laughs> Bless you, Steve Dahl. Bless you. Okay. Because I hate disco. And then, anyway, and, go ahead. And then the other thing was, last week, I, I loved our guest, okay? Chris Zwick was, was awesome from Yahoo Sports. We're definitely going to have him on again. Yes, he was it, very good. It was nice to have another perspective on. You know, I love all the people that we have on the show, but you get a guy who is looking at things with more of a national lens. And it, it was also very funny that even with that national lens, his opinion of what's going on behind the scenes of the White Sox, I felt was was pretty solid. It was pretty rock solid, if you haven't heard that one that's last week's show. But because of all that stuff going on, I haven't heard enough from you, Dave. Dude, nobody wants to hear me so talk. I, nobody, nobody wants to hear me talking. This is going to be dude. some me time for me and you, okay? Me as the ba- time. Oh, as the no, baseball oh, no. playoffs go on, as I watch Carlos Correa come up in the... 11th inning the other night with the first pitch and send it out. And I, I guess there was a feed even in New York where they didn't get back from the commercial quick enough. So in New York, Yankee fans were greeted as they came back from commercial with just the ball sailing out and <laughs> Astros fans, they That's, didn't even see the pitch. That is horrible. What a horrible way to watch That's yourself awful. lose a, a game in the postseason. That's that's what they saw. And, and I, I watch it and I think to myself, we are still so far away from that, you know? There is some talent and there's some excitement, but we are so far away from that. Well, and we need to make yes, some moves. So, yes. but I, well, I, I want to hand the show to you today. I no, want to, I want to talk about what you want to talk about. Don't hand it necessarily to me. I mean, so first of all, I got to confess, I have not been watching a lot of the MLB postseason. It's okay. My bad. Uh, you know, man, Blackhawks are back. Hockey's back. So, I mean, that's my jam. Right. But anyway, um, I've been looking around, so some some things this week that I've re- read about White Sox baseball that just kind of I wanted to bring up. So first of all, if I don't I don't believe we've ta- got a chance to talk about it yet, but the uh, the Frank Menachino hiring. No, we we didn't talk about it. We, so we talked a little bit about why we thought they got rid of the hitting coach, but I had to cut it from last week's show. So just to kind of reiterate something that we never got to put up on on the podcast last week, I felt like this was Ricky Renteria finally saying, you know, he knows that his butt's on the line. And I think that you could see that in interviews at the end of the season. He talked with Jason Benetti and everything like that. He knows his butt's on the line. He probably pushed for a change, or maybe this change was going on in the background over the last year. Because remember, Menachino is really an outside hire. They, They bring him in, and they put him in AAA for one year so they can figure out if he meshes with them, and then they elevate him. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, so those of you who are not familiar with Frank Menachino, 
uh, was drafted by the White Sox, actually. And when you know when I saw that, I was just kind of like, oh boy, here we go. But then you know played for the uh, the A's, the Blue Jays. Uh, he was the hitting coach for the Marlins for a while, from 2013 to 2018. So and then here's he did the the job in Charlotte uh, for a year with the White Sox. Here's the two reasons why I really like this hire. Um, number one, here's a guy who's done the job before, who's qualified to do the job. All right. He's got five years plus as a hitting coach. The other thing I really like about this hire is the fact that he has spent time in AAA Charlotte with uh, the people that, you know, the talent that we either have brought up or going to be bringing up this year. So I really do like this hire because a long time ago, you if you you recall, we talked about this, how you felt that. Uh, the coaching staff or certain coaching staff should be promoted as the talent is promoted. And with this, that you kind of see that. Well, what I like about him is a couple things. I, I like the fact that he is credited for turning Giancarlo Stanton into a beast. I remember we, we talked about the Giancarlo Stanton thing. It was right towards the beginning of this show when we first started Socks in the Basement. I was marveling over the idea that all you had to do was just kind of change that guy's batting stance. And he's the one who went and changed his stance to a closed stance. He went on a tear. He he went absolutely insane to the point where the Marlins were able to to move him on. You know, like he became like a sought after thing that the Yankees went and grabbed up. I also don't think he was out in Miami because of anything he did. I think he was out in Miami because there was massive turnover going on in Miami because Derek Jeter's in there making his own thing. Oh, right. So I don't right. blame I, I don't think the guy was ousted because he was doing a bad job there. In fact, there's several good hitters out there that and, and Miami had a few really good hitters. I mean, JT Real Muto, here's a guy who came of age with Manichino as his batting coach. And, and so he he's had some some nice results. And the other thing is I complain all the time. When was the last time you saw a White Sox coach be credited for a major turnaround of a player? I mean, Cooper didn't. Well, yeah, Cooper, Cooper didn't fix Giolito, remember? No, but Cooper, it, Cooper's, listen, Cooper has had, Cooper has the track record. I mean, albeit. But it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since somebody has, has said. But he has the Cooper, track record. It's been yes. a while since somebody said, though, that Cooper has fixed somebody. And so you, you wonder. Now, I'm really curious to see some more long-term results or some larger sample size with Zach Collins, because we've talked about this, how, you know, Zach Collins, they brought him up. He was doing things his way. They brought him up to show him that doing things his way was not going to work. They sent him back down, uh, spent more time under Frank Menachino, getting tutelage from him, presumably. And when he came back up at the end of September, had a you know, decent, respectable Much run of things results. for a few for a few weeks there. I'm I'm really curious to see the long term benefits uh, of that experience. Well, here's the with, thing with that, Collins, and that's exactly what I was trying to get to. Menachino's I, I imagine him down in AAA talking to the front office about Zach Collins, saying he's not listening to me, and then him coming up and not performing. And them going, now go back and listen to this guy, because that's why we brought him into the organization. Because I think when the White Sox bring this guy into the organization, they're thinking to themselves, this could be the next hitting coach on our major league club. I believe from the moment he was hired that this was something that they were looking to do, but they wanted to give him a year. 
They wanted to see, does he mesh with what we're doing? Does he bring results? He did enough that they changed not only their hitting coach, but the guy that was assisting their hitting coach. Right. They got rid of anybody in there that had anything to do with hitting at the major league level, and they're going to let Menachino run the whole thing. And so, that to me, then Collins goes back down, listens to Menachino. Again, it, it justifies what's probably going around in the heads of the White Sox brass, like, Yes, this is the guy. We did the right thing by picking him up. We did the right thing by putting him in AAA. And now we're going to definitely make him the major league hitting coach. So I like the hire just as much as you like the hire. Yeah. I think, I, and, and, and here's what else I like. I like when you look at his results, the guy adds power. And so I'm okay with it. And I know that there's an argument of, well, look at what Moncada did. Look at what Anderson did. You're taking away the hitting coach that was there. The recent comments by Ricky Renteria suggest to me that he was just as involved, if not more involved, as their hitting coach as their guy was talking to them about what their approach was that than anybody. So I, I don't think you're going to have a, uh, anybody step back who was doing well. I think you're going to see improvement with other guys. And I think when Lewis Robert gets up here and Nick Mandrick will get up here, they've got, they got the hitting coaches they were with at the end of the year in triple a, that could only be a bonus. Well, it's going to be a smoother transition for Lewis Robert and Nick Madrigal. Also. I mean that we always talk about how the twins have the twins way, right? Yes. And how annoying it is. The white Sox don't have a white Sox way. They went and they grabbed it. Oh, we have a White Sox way, but it's it's not, you know. <laughs> but they go and they grab a guy from outside the organization who's got something to bring to the table, give him a year to make sure he meshes with them because that's how everything works in the White Sox. Got to make sure the guy's cool, too. Like, you can have a conversation with him. I, I don't know what they need to look at. He's got to be fam. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're into podcasts and you like beer, craft beer reviews, craft brewery tours, fatherhood, Drunken singing, outrageousness, late 1990s morning radio, trapped 20 years later at a nine-foot homemade oak bar. The original Broadcast Basement podcast is still available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. And it is still 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb with a new on-demand episode every Thursday. Maybe listen to it after this show, which continues now. When you talk about how, you know, we are not there yet. We are a long way from there when you watch the Major League Baseball playoffs. True. But in my mind, there are two major positions that you absolutely have to fix this year. Uh, and you're going to have to go outside the organization see, to I, fix it, presumably. I see four things that you need on this team. Two starting pitchers or a starting pitcher. You need a starting pitcher slash relief pitcher that could start off the year filling a role until Kopech and Rodon are up, and you need another starter. Yes, and then you need was, and then you need two positional players. Well, that was the thing I was gonna. That was the thing I was gonna bring up. I mean, for me, you definitely need to get. You definitely need to get some starting pitching. You right. have to. Right. You can't go into. You cannot go into next year with what you had last year and expect to do anything. That is that is not going to happen. So so what I have for you is in just a minute here. I do have a list of some uh, free agent pitchers, and I want to just pick your brain to see how realistic an option any of these uh, players are. But the other thing that uh, you desperately need is you got to get somebody in right field because right field was not happening last right. year. You need a better bat out there. You need you need something. So just sort of looking at the list of starting pitchers that are available, and this is pretty much your this is pretty much your MLB top ten. Okay. 
Um, I want to just see, I want to run these names by you, Chris, and I want to th- see what you think if any of these uh, players are going to be in a White Sox uniform okay. next year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Garrett Cole. No. No, absolutely and, and, not. And the reason Garrett Cole's not going to be in there is because the White Sox won't give him the money that he needs to get. He's a pipe dream for White Sox fans who believe the money will be spent. These are the same people that every time they hear this on the show, write me angry messages on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and and send me private messages that I'm too negative because I don't believe they're going to get Garrett Cole. And they said their money will be spent. We'll get Garrett Cole. They're not getting Garrett Cole. Cole. Garrett Cole is going to, there's going to be a bidding war for his services. The White Sox don't give long-term contracts to pitchers. They're not getting Garrett Cole. Does, okay, so moving on. Does Steven Strasburg, A, opt out, and B, end up in a Sox uniform? Any chance? I don't know. It'll be interesting because look how good the Nationals are all of a sudden after they got rid of Bryce Harper last year and some something happened with this team. I mean, look, they're they're going to they're gonna probably end up in the World Series. They might, by the time this show posts, they might have swept. I mean, that's, that's where we're at right now. And so, but I think it makes sense for them to opt out because there'll be money on the table and because the Nationals... The Nationals still went back at Harper with a really big deal last year after he chose free agency and 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 shopped himself around. The Nationals are not going to ignore Strasburg and not offer him anything if he opts out. He might as well opt out and test the market. Okay. Now, do I think the White Sox are going to be able to to get him? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I just, again, I think here's a guy who's going to command more years than the White Sox will commit to with pitchers. I don't even know if it's money with the White Sox with pitchers. It's years. Jerry doesn't like to give more than three years to a pitcher. He's been burned too many times in his mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once. But anyway. <laughs> no, dude, it's Jamie Navarro. I know. That's I know. what it is. I know. Anyway, Madison Baumgartner. Well, here's a guy who's actually a possibility for the Sox. I think he's a possibility. Okay. I think that the White Sox might get him. I don't know if I want him. See, Madison Bumgarner has been different ever since the, I mean, he he was used up a lot in his youth. He does not post those spectacular Madison Bumgarner numbers. Now, is he going to be worth being in your rotation? Yes, he's definitely an addition. He's a veteran. He You don't expect him to be the ace of your staff. But you would expect him, though, to be a presence in your staff and get you some quality games, and he's going to go on a run at some point during the year and be awesome, and then he's going to he's gonna struggle a little bit and be more of a bottom-end rotation starter. So it depends on the money he's asking for and whether or not the White Sox can get a deal he for him. 30, he's a possibility he, I'd be okay with. He is 30 years old. His 2019 stats, he has a 3.9 ERA, 203 uh, 203 strikeouts with 207 and 207.2 innings. What's his whip? Uh, I do not see. I do not have his whip in front of me. Okay, I apologize. Well, I'll look that up while we're talking but, here. But, yeah. but the one thing here is that he is. What's What's interesting about what I see here is that he will eat you some innings. He's got over 200 innings. So that to me is definitely something the White Sox could use is an innings eater like that. Yeah, and he had a 1.127 whip. He's still a really quality starter. He would be a really nice addition to your staff. I think you you, you get a veteran who has gone to multiple postseasons, won multiple championships. He would be a really nice target. If they added him, I'd be pumped. What do you think of, so moving on here, Dallas Keuchel. Well, there's a guy that like we didn't like last year. Right, nobody liked him. Okay, like, now if Dallas, you get, if you get Dallas Keuchel for just a couple years, yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, Chris Wick said it last last uh, 
Last week on the podcast, I wouldn't have a problem with a couple of years to fill a role on the team. But if you're paying him ace money, I don't think he's worth it. And if he's still looking for ace money in ace years, then no. So 31 years old, um, basically sat on his couch for half of last season. He's only got 112 plus innings. So... Um, I would take Keuchel over, or I would take Bumgarner over Keuchel. Yeah, personally, I, I like would. Him I would. I would definitely. I would. Too. I would. If if they're worth the same amount of money, that I go after Madison. Now, can I throw a name out there that you haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, sure. That I really like. Sure. I uh, myself and Steve Peradzinski talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were live at Cork and Carry at the park with Ron Kittle and the guys from the 108. I like the name Alex Wood. And I like Alex Wood because Alex Wood can be a starter and be effective and then can move into the bullpen and be an effective guy out of the bullpen. And I think he's a really good target to go and get because you're not going to start the season with Kopech or Rodon. And when Kopech gets back, he's going to be on an innings limit. And when Rodon gets back, he's going to be on an innings limit. And you're going to need a guy who could come up, be effective and move back and forth between the bullpen and starting role and is not going to be very expensive. And I think that that's a nice name that the White Sox, I would think, should be exploring. I would not mind seeing an Alex Wood in a White Sox uniform next year. Now, I've got a couple of other names here for you that when I sort of looked at this list that jumped out to me and said, when I, when these, when I saw these names, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that would be a White Sox thing. To okay, do. so now, now you have a negative uh, view of these guys. No. Nah. Not necessarily. Like, ah, this no, is all we're not, up not, with. That's what it nece- is. Not necessarily, okay. but I think that out of the list that you know we're, we're looking at here, these are two very realistic options. Okay, given their well, you know, given the way the White Sox typically do things, um, Rich Hill. You Dick like, Mountain? You like you some Rich Hill. I mean, I would just like the I just like the idea that we get like an entire season of people calling him Dick Mountain. Like I would think that was <laughs> awesome. Um, I don't know if I like Rich Hill because I don't know if Rich Hill's got any more left in him. I 39 just, years old, Again, Chris. he'd be a guy that would be a bridge to the Kopech-Rodan, not a guy I would rely on for the whole season. See, to me, that fits the Kenny Williams mantra of, hey, I'm going to get a guy who once was awesome, but now he's past his prime, so... Yeah, I'm going to try to see if Coop can resurrect him. No, I don't think he's a resurrection project. He's what he is. He's not going to be changed by anybody. He's old enough now that he could be a coach. And and this would be his his last stop on a one-year deal. So, no, I mean, I'm not super excited if you get him unless you missed out on a guy like Alex Wood. And he's got to fill that role where he's only there for some spot starts and you're hoping that once you get Kopech up there, you're barely using the guy. Now, let me ask you this question. Does Jose Quintana opt out of his contract? Wouldn't that be great? And, we and then we pick him up. I'd be okay with it. I mean, would I, you I really be, would be? He's he's he had a bad year last year, I, I, I but think, he's but he's only thirty years old. Think about how comfortable he was within this organization. Yeah, and uh, just for the just for the thrill of getting him back, and just all of a sudden they turn of, and he turns it around. He becomes Jose Quintana, what Jose Quintana was before, before we, we traded him. him the Cubs. Cubs. And then we have Aloy, Aloy and Cease. And yeah, Cease I was just looking at like, that. Wouldn't that just be just fun for White I Sox mean, fans? You, I would again, like that's one of them. Where if it happened, I'd be I chuckle. If you wanted to have, because here's why. Here's why I find Jose to be an interesting possibility. Should he choose to opt out? You know, number one. This is what this is. This would be so Reinsdorf because we know he's always having a pissing match with the Cubs, and and Kenny's the same way. So he would love nothing more 
than to basically, you know, get Jose Quintana back and have gotten Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for basically nothing. And, you know, the other thing is, it's just, I keep coming back to this, but he's an ex-White Sox. And we all know how the organization is about ex-White Sox, Chris. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a negative because I agree. I think if, 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 if Jose Quintana were to opt out and the White Sox were to pick him up, he would fit the bill with what they need perfectly. Well, here's the thing. And he would be comfortable. But I just have a feeling that they would go and do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Here's the thing. I look at Jose Quintana's last season here with the Chicago Cubs. And the thing that stands out to me is that his ERA was a 4.68. Yes. And his FIP was a 3.80. Now, just to explain what a FIP is for anybody, that's your fielding independent pitching. It measures the pitcher's effectiveness at preventing home runs, walks, hit by pitches, and causing strikeouts. It jet, the way it is set up is that the MLB average FIP will end up being the same as the MLB average ERA, which means if you have a low FIP, lower than your ERA, you are unlucky. Your fielders screwed up. His FIP is nearly a full point lower. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I want think about this. That means that he was actually far more effective independent of the guys around him during last season. That's a resurrectable baseball player. That's a guy who you would you always talk about regression. He he has the possibility of doing the opposite of regression. And you could actually get him at a better price because of how he pitched over the last two years. Yes. And so this and is he's still, and I mentioned this, he's still right. young. He's he only, be, he's only 30 years old. He would be a very interesting pickup for the White Sox that I would not hate in, no. in any way whatsoever. No, I, not at I all. mean, think about it. Remember, there was a point where Jose Quintana was the best pitcher on your staff after <laughs> they got rid of Chris Sale. Right. Now you'd be bringing back Jose Quintana and you wouldn't be expecting him to be your ace. You'd be just looking for Jose Quintana to fit in somewhere in the middle and bring you the kind of things that he used to bring you when you didn't have a team around him. And he would have great games and you couldn't get any runs. This team produces runs. Yeah. He wouldn't be a bad pitcher. They, they, and he knows how to pitch in our ballpark. They sort of mentioned to like, Jose's inflated numbers have a lot to do with just, with the Cubs collapsing as a whole. Right. At the end of the year. So... And it also, yeah. you also have to think of this, and this is going to be an interesting thing to get away from the pitching for just a moment. This could be an interesting thing for the White Sox here in the offseason. Major League Baseball during the season clearly had juiced balls. This was like the steroid era this year with the amount of home runs that were being hit. Oh, yeah. And now, pitchers, pitchers have complained right, about it, too. Now, in the postseason, multiple managers in front of microphones on multiple teams explaining that multiple guys who are sitting there looking at the analytics are saying that the ball is traveling five or more feet less in distance on average, that they're actually playing their outfielders in more, and home runs have been basically cut in half. Interesting. Now, now, does, now any, does, side, that, does, that have any, does that have anything to do with the cold weather, though? They, no. In fact, some of the games, a lot of these games, especially were played like in Atlanta, there have been a lot of games in good climate weather, and it's even showing up there. So there has been an argument, well, there's more wind because it's the fall. I believe, and a lot of people believe, that Major League Baseball turned baseball back into baseball for the postseason. Now, all of a sudden, just going three true outcome and try and hit bombs doesn't work as a strategy. And a guy like Jose Quintana, 
would be extremely valuable. And remember, Quintana pitched inside of Wrigley Field to give you an idea of what Wrigley Field does, especially in this modern era. Nick Castellanos, a free agent that I want nothing to do with. There are people who think I'm crazy for this, but I want nothing to do with him. All of a sudden becomes a massive power hitter well above his career numbers when he gets traded to the Cubs. But if you would have taken Nick Castellanos' home runs and charted them out inside of Detroit, almost all of them that he was hitting in Wrigley would be landing on the warning track. He got changed to a different ballpark in an, in an era, in a year, where the ball was traveling five or six more feet. There were extra home runs added on to his numbers, and that's extra home runs against a guy like Quintana. That's a change in how it's working right. for Quintana, and right. it changes how. I would rather lean towards wanting a guy like Quintana on my pitching staff than a guy like Castellanos on my hitting staff because I don't know what the baseballs are going to be like next year. And I don't know if I want. I would much rather, we're looking at Quintana's fifth, say I, I would rather have him than, than a guy like Castellanos who benefited from something you don't know what the balls are going to be like next year. So to move on to Castellanos and this sort of trio of right fielders, because now th- that was going to be the other thing that um, I felt needed a major, major, major upgrade on your team is is right field. Um, I, I love know, when you pound on the bar when you're excited. No, I was just tapping. I was just <laughs> tapping. Um, everything that is local – and mainstream that the that that we you know we know that the White Sox have some sort of influence over, you know they mentioned Castellanos, they mentioned Puig, they mentioned Marcelo Zuna, but then there's a then there's a big but right like Ozuna by the way has over a thousand OPS here in the postseason. Oh I know I know but but they're not going to get they're over not gonna, a thousand. But, I know his defense is sometimes suspect, but they're not going to get listen they're not going to get any of these three guys and here's why. Imagine Ozuna as your DH and no, then you I, go get a left handed guy out of right field. Think about that. Yeah, but dude, I... And then you could bring in Ozuna to spell guys in the outfield. Just use him as a bat that every once in a while goes out there and plays because you need a DH and a right fielder, okay? I mean, I, I look, th- I think I'm, not, got, I'm not I, in on Castellanos, and I used to be a big fan of Puig, and I'm falling off on the whole Puig thing because I just I just don't see it in the numbers that it's worth it. I think as far as DH, what they're planning, at least from everything that I'm reading, is you're going to have... You're gonna have Zach Collins in there a that. lot, and you're gonna have you're gonna shuffle Eloy in and out of that spot, and then occasionally James McCann. Okay, but if you're doing if you're doing shuffling of Eloy, you're gonna need another outfielder, and you can never have too many bats. And and I don't, I would still want them to pick up an, a, a DH to go with an outfielder. So now, if you don't think it's these three guys no, who are right-handed hitters, but, then, then like we we go back to what I said, it's Corey Dickerson because he's a left-handed bat, or you have to make a trade. Like here's the thing. The White Sox are either going to give you Corey Dickerson out there, who, once again, you could apply the Castellanos thing to him because you don't know what the baseball is going to be like next year, and he only played half a season, so you're extrapolating numbers to get big home run numbers out of him, or the White Sox have to go out and make a trade. The two names. And and, and, and I'm not sure if they're going to make a trade because they seem so hesitant to do it, but you could package some of these guys that are are mid-tier prospects that still have some shine on them and deal them. I'm not saying Robert. I'm not saying Madrigal. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying any of these big names. I'm saying you could put together three, four guys and find yourself a left-handed guy who could play the outfield. The two, the two, the two names that keep kick, getting kicked around are Cole Calhoun and, as you had mentioned, Corey Dickerson. Yeah, and, but I hate uh, the Cole and, Calhoun talk. And you're not. And you're not a fan of either. Well, no, no. I, first of all, I'm not a big fan of Cole Calhoun. I, I just I, we've gone over his numbers before here on the show, and I, I, I just don't think that it's. Secondly, I don't even know if he's going to be available. He's got an option. Everybody talks about Cole Calhoun like he's in control of his fate. He's not in control of his fate. If his team decides to keep him, he's kept. So 
So you don't know what's going to happen here in the offseason. So you keep talking about Cole Calhoun, you don't even know if he's going to be available. So in reality, it's Dickerson are going out making a deal. I look at what the, there's another interesting name. There is another interesting name. Okay. Okay. Which would be a fill-in in the outfield. But he's a left-handed outfielder. Brett Gardner of the New York Yankees. Now he's 36. He did $7.5 million last year. He's represented by an agent that's not Boros or Lozano. That's helpful. Okay. He only had 249 last year, but he had an OPS 826 and he hit 25 bombs. And he had a 3.8 wins above replacement, which actually places him actually pretty high amongst outfielders and just free agents in general. Not at the top, but in the upper half. Now you got age and, and you're not going to get the big average. But he's a lefty if they really insist on a lefty. You know how much I hate this insisting on a lefty thing. I know. But he's a lefty. So if you're insisting on a lefty, you could sit around, you could talk about him. But I here's my thing. In reality, what you want the White Sox to do if they insist on a left-handed bat to be in right field, that they make a deal. That they acquire somebody that they can use for a couple of years. And, and that's what you want them to go and do. You want them to go and make a move like that and bring it and, and find a guy that you think you can make a deal to acquire because it's slim pickings right now in the well, free agent yeah, market. If you want, if you want a left-handed bat, right. If you want a left-handed bat. Now there's plenty of other guys you can go and get that aren't left-handed bats that are going to be out there. You can go find, there's all kinds of guys you can go get. It depends on whether or not you're willing to give up on this left-handed bat thing. I don't think they're willing to do that. No. And- I think that knowing the white Sox in their MO, they want a lefty. And so that's, that's what we're going to have them go after. So I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things to watch. I think if they don't sign Dickerson or Brett Gardner or Cole Calhoun, if he becomes available, by the winter meetings, then they are looking for a trade. Yeah. Because the D, well, it's such slim pickings, you got to get out there and get them right away. And, and these guys are not high-level guys, so they're not going to be sitting around trying to get well, the greatest contract well, ever. They're right, going to take the first thing that's reasonable yeah, that's what that I was makes gonna, sense for them that's in their wheelhouse. That's, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, are any of these guys the type of guys that are going to be able to, hold, able to hold out until no. spring training? No, because these guys are more along the lines of like a Josh Donaldson had to wait forever to get his money, okay? Right. I, 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 that's the thing. I, I just don't see... I don't see them being guys that you're going to have to wait forever on. So I think if the White Sox don't make an early signing with them, then the White Sox are at least exploring a trade while they're talking to them. So I kind of want them to not make the move right away. Either do it right away and get the guy you want and stand there confidently and tell me this is the guy or make a deal. Well, by this point here, and, and this is the other thing, like, you know, we're talking about trades. There's been. And I hate trying to propose trades because they're all pie in the sky fantasy baseball things. Right, right. Like Whenever everybody's like, well, who, who would you trade for? I don't know who's available. No, on what you team. can't. You can't. And it's it. impossible but, to go but here's, out and do. Here's, here's the thing there's, you get a lot of pushback when you start talking about dealing prospects. They're but, not all going to be good. But, 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 number one, they're not all going to be good. Number two, um, are, if you're talking about, okay, 2020 is now, 2021 is now. 
I'm sorry, but you have a pretty good idea at this point about what prospects you have down there that are going to end up making this team right. and the ones who are not. Let's go okay? through some prospects. Like, Let's go through some prospects. Steel Walker. Would you trade Steel Walker if it gave you a really good left-handed power hitter out in right field? Yes. Would you Would you trade Luis Gonzalez if it gave you a good left-handed power hitter in, in right field for yeah, this year? Yeah, Bla- 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 Blake right. Rutherford. Would you, would you trade Blake Rutherford Absolutely. if it gave you a really good left-handed power hitter we in, right, in, in right field? We would have done it last year, okay. remember? Right. I mean, would you trade Dave? Dane Dunning for a left-handed power hitter in right field? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you know, look, you might find a team that's sitting there right now trying to figure out what they want to do. Look, Major League Baseball every year is flush with teams that are trying to reload or rebuild. And we're talking they about exist. it. Two-thirds, two-thirds, of, the, two-thirds right. of the league is rebuilding start, every year. Start dumping some of these guys into their systems, make them super excited about it, and grab what they have talent-wise because your rebuild is over and it's time for you to get ready to compete. Your manager is ready to compete. You listen to your manager talk. Your manager is ready to compete. Your fan base is ready to compete. The GM has been saying 2020 forever. If you get to Saxfest and you hear the phrase year four of a rebuild, you should start booing immediately. Yeah. You right. should, you should, it should be the most contentious Saxfest in history. Then they'll be happy they went to two days instead of three. Okay, you the first time you hear the phrase year four of a rebuild at Saxfest, everybody no, should everybody lose should, their crap. Everybody right should there. everybody should walk out the there door. There should be booing. There should be hissing. There should be moaning. There should be yelling. There should be complaining. They should be so uncomfortable up on the stage they they cancel it for the next year. That's how it should go. If you hear the phrase year four of a rebuild, there are pieces that go get go get them. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm watching playoff baseball. I want to get back there. Let's go. It's been too freaking long. I'm sick of on this date in White Sox history. And there's a replay of the World Series. Oh, I, I want to go back. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.